0: Hey there, this is Jonathan Greer, one of your hosts from Small Church Shepherds. I just want to give a little disclaimer for this uh, podcast here. We interviewed George Ross uh, a while back. Doing it over Skype is usually how we do our recordings. I I really don't understand why some of these things happen. I'm not super technical. Uh, this does to the best of my abilities just to get these podcasts published. Um, but for some reason, we lost about 10 or 15 minutes of his conversation just did not record on Skype. And so the, the episode is going to end kind of bluntly, um, but we still wanted to go ahead and put it out there just because what did get recorded we thought was useful and quality content. And so we're putting this out here, but realize that it's, it's not going to be a full conversation. Uh, there were some great things that um, – George had there towards the end about partnering with, with church planners in, in the small church, and I wish we had them. Um, but this is just kind of the way things happen sometimes when we're working with what we have. So I do, despite the delays, I hope you enjoy this episode of Small Church Shepherds talking about church planning with George Ross.
1: Get ready for the Small Church Shepherds podcast. Small Church Shepherds exist to encourage, enrich, and equip small church pastors and churches. You can find our blog and more information about us at smallchurchshepherds.com.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm Jonathan. I'm here with Dennis and James as usual, but we have a special guest today with us. We have George Ross of in New Orleans coming in to talk to us today about church planning. So, uh... George, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to be with you guys today. My name is George Rawls. I'm the North American Mission Board Send Missionary in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm part of the Southern Baptist Strategy in North America to see churches planted in urban areas. New Orleans is one of those 32 urban areas we have in North America that we're trying to see churches planted in.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, George. This is Dennis, and it's good to hear from you, brother. Good to talk to you. Um, let me let me ask you this question: When did you join NAM, and um, what what made you make that transition? Well, well, before we get into that, let's just let's just go back. What's your church planning background? How did you get involved and interested in church planning?
1: Sure, um, I was hired as a youth pastor. In 1998 or 7, I forget which year, at Longview Heights Baptist Church in Olive Branch, Mississippi, Uh, that area was not what it is today. Back then, it was just starting to see a little growth. And then all of a sudden, that North uh, Mississippi ring right there outside of Memphis, DeSoto County, uh, exploded. And the church that I was at as a youth pastor for um, right at eight years— That church experienced significant growth, and one of the things that they wanted to do was to plant churches. They couldn't keep up with the growth that was happening at the church. They didn't want to... Just continue to build buildings. So that church started planting churches. They planted their church in Hernando, Mississippi. And from from there, I actually left the student ministry there and they sent me out to help the church plant in Hernando. And mm-hmm. the church plant in Hernando sent me to plant a church in Sinatobia, Mississippi. So Hernando's about 10 miles south of Olive Branch. And then Sinatobia um, is probably, you know, 12 miles south of Hernando. So we started planting churches and began to. Uh, see what God was doing through that. Uh, God blessed those efforts in church planning. So I served at LifePoint Church in Senatobia for nine years, and during that time we started a church planning network, and that church planning network is called the 1-8 Church Planning Network uh, with some pastors from North Mississippi, and I got connected to the North American Mission Board through that journey. I certainly wasn't looking to leave LifePoint. I, I loved that mm. church. It was a, a great church, and um you know, the Lord, doing uh, and I felt very clear calling uh, here to New Orleans uh, that we would come be the North American Mission Board missionary to help plant churches here in New Orleans. If you had have told me I'd be living in New Orleans 10 years ago, I'd have told you you're crazy. So <laughs> in, 20, in 2013, we moved from Senatobia uh, to New Orleans and have been here for going on six years. And right. God has just done a great work. We love being here. We love what we do thrilled to be here exciting uh days uh for us and um that's a little bit of my journey to get to new right
2: yeah and and george talking about the one eight network that's actually where we met um i was planning a church in columbus mississippi and got the opportunity to be one of the men that um george poured into And, and and i can speak from personal experience that that George did a great work in North Mississippi. And I know everybody was sad to see him go, but they were excited to see what God, what God is doing through you and what he, what he's going to continue to do through you in new Orleans. So as we continue to talk about church planning, um, what is church planting? I, I think we all know what it is, but what is church planting and why is it important to the church, specifically the small church? Because a lot of times people just don't see it as important. Why is it important?
1: Um, I want to start with the biblical definition of church planting. So my understanding from scripture, the best definition for church planting is evangelism that results in new works, new churches. we we see that in the ministry of Paul, first church planting journeys, as they're sent out from the church in Antioch. So that's the biblical definition that I want to start mm-hmm. with, the biblical definition I want to work with. Right. And your, your other question was, why is it important? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, statistically, the church-to-population ratio just doesn't match. Almost everywhere in our country, uh, we see more population that what uh, we would classify someone that's not an evangelical, someone that's not uh, placing their faith and trust in Christ alone. And because of that, because of those statistics that there are people far from Christ, far from God, uh, we believe the best way to engage is through chanting. And there's a great need for church planting. Even thinking of my context here in New Orleans, I'm working with the population of right at 1.2 and only um, 11% of that population would identify as uh, somebody that's placing their faith and trust in Christ alone. So there's a great opportunity for church planting when we consider spots all across North America. There's just a high density of people that are in need of hearing the gospel message um so
2: george that that's great definition of what a church plant is and, and um what a church plant does the biblical basis for it so so my next question is this why should um small churches that that themselves um are struggling for members often struggling to survive why should they care about church planning and be involved in church planning
1: Great question, great question. Um, you know, first thing I would say is this: i always gonna to want to go back to scripture. I want to go back to the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. I had a church planter one time ask me why they should have deacons, <laughs> and I, I looked at him and I said, "Cause they're in the Bible." Yeah. <laughs> no, no major, you know, enlightenment there. They're in the Bible. Right. I believe church planting is not mentioned as the word church planting, but right. the new churches uh, forming through evangelisms all over the Bible. We see that picture starting right. in Acts chapter eleven. It's birthed out of persecution, but then by Acts chapter 13, we see church planting happening intentionally. You know, the church Mm -hmm. at Antioch, uh, the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they're going to send out Paul and Barnabas, John Mark, for that first church planting journey, that missionary journey. (laughs) So although it's not mentioned, we see the, the principle, we see the concept of doing that uh, throughout the New Testament. Uh, right. Me, just in Acts, we see that. So I think it's just biblical, number one. Number two, I believe it exposes your church to a lot of positive things about missions. Um, right one you get to see people doing ministry in different contexts i always think that's important Uh, number two you're encouraged often by the faithfulness of church planters we had a catch the vision trip not very long ago here in new orleans and new orleans is a very difficult place to plant. We had 30 some odd pastors that were on a bus for about a day and a half, and they were hearing from our planters. And they were hearing from our planters talk about their context, talk about their ministry, talk about their hardships, and and talk about uh, what they were doing. And and they were just giving testimonies of faithfulness in the midst of hardship. And one of the things we heard when we had our debrief time, the pastors were just overwhelmed by what these guys we're doing, their faithfulness, their journey, their perseverance, and we had a lot of pastors on that trip that were actually from smaller churches, so I'm saying they're from churches of 200 or less, and I still don't think that's a small church, but they represented those churches, and they were encouraged by hearing these guys, and... That was just a powerful moment for them as pastors. It inspired them to go back to maybe their hard context, maybe uh, their hard place of service, and encourage their people to be involved in planning. So I believe that being involved in church planting, opens up the doors of uh, ministry challenge and ministry encouragement for your own body of believers, whether you're challenging them through evangelism, whether you're challenging them through faithful discipleship, where you're challenging them to think through what does it mean to be a missionary right where they are. Mm -hmm. Being involved in a church plant and partnering with the church plant gives you some hands-on, real-life experience. And my experience has been the majority of the time, churches that partner in church planting reap a benefit from that experience in one of those many ways mentioned.
0: Right. Well, I can say, like the church that I serve at, I serve at Franklin Creek Baptist Church in Moss Point. Um, It was a church plant actually in 1968, Um, and it it kind of surprises me in this area of Jackson County, Mississippi, uh, how many of these. Older churches um, that, as far as churches are considered, they're actually pretty young. But the, how many of them were church plants? Uh, and, but something has happened in the culture of the churches around here to where. Apparently, several decades ago, there was this rich culture of church planning that now there are several churches that are established because of church planning, but now they seem to have lost that vision. Um, what What can we do to, to help recast that vision of church planning to churches that have lost it?
1: Another good question, and I'm trying to formulate my answer to that very <laughs> Very clearly, and, and without—I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this, and I don't want to hear them and, and hear this in a, in a sensitive way because it's not what I'm communicating. I was at a associational meeting years ago representing NAM. Right when I first got mm-hmm. started, I take that back. I was not with NAM. I was with One Eight. I was with the One Eight Network, right. and I was at a associational meeting. Uh, I was in Mississippi, and I had. Uh, pastor stopped my booth and said, why do we need to plant more churches? <laughs> we don't right. need any more churches. And he was very livid at that. And I, the first thing I did was listen. You know, I wanted to hear his perspective and what was going on. And he gave a lot of the reasons why he didn't think there needed to be church planting. One, uh, that, that there's plenty of room in his church. Two, uh, why don't we spend more time helping churches like mine? Uh, three, there's enough churches in our, our community. And that's oftentimes an answer that you will get up from churches that we don't right. need any more churches, especially in the Bible Belt culture. And I want to I be sensitive to that, because I, I know that the pastors that are saying that, they're, 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 they're good men. Uh, right. There's a lot of good pastors that love the Lord, and, and that's their perspective. And, and what I want to do is listen to that, and then I want to help push back a little bit on that. And my pushback's always going to go back. Um, you know, numbers are our friend. Stats are our friend. And one of the things that happens when you begin to look at stats and you begin to look, you know, I look at the ACP, the Associated, excuse me, the, um, I'm in La La Land, edit that out, annual church profile, (laughs) annual church profile, (laughs) I look at, uh, let me back up on that so I look at the ACP uh, the annual church profile and one of the things for our own area here in New Orleans when we look at all the Baptist churches and I think there's a little mm-hmm. over a hundred Baptist churches represented in the uh, five parishes that we have down here it's a lot of churches only two point four percent of the population is represented on a Sunday morning in those churches.
2: Mm-hmm. right?
1: And what we know is that if we filled those churches multiple times this Sunday, number one, there would still be so many more people that needed to hear the good news of Jesus. We wouldn't come close to meeting that need. So when we think about the stats and we think about who's going to church and we think about the number of people that do not know Christ, the numbers just don't add up even when we're in a Bible belt population and we fill up every church. So one of the things I'm always trying to, to push back a little bit, and I want to push back gently is to challenge them to think through their own context, to think through, who's being reached in their own community, to think through the number of people they have in their community, and uh, challenge them to think that, well, don't we want people to hear the gospel? Uh, You know, I believe the gospel is the power of salvation for anyone uh, I believe we need to preach that faithfully. We need to proclaim that faithfully. And as we do that in the context of church planting, I firmly believe more people are going to have access to hear that and uh, respond to that and become believers in that. So uh, right. for me, I want to uh, encourage churches to think through that and to challenge them that there is r- real need for church planting, even when we may not think there is.
2: Right. Yeah. That's a well, great uh, church, response. You, you know, George, um, one question I have, and this is sort of uh, Sunday, I read a stat that just startled me, and I think it just wanted to see how you think this is affecting church planning. Um, a stat just came out that for the first time, if you took individual religious groups, including different denominations, Protestantism, Catholicism, within the United States, atheism is now the largest single group in America, 24 to 26 percent of Americans identify themselves as atheists. Do you find, with this shift in our culture, do you find more openness to church planning from churches, or do you find that dig your heels in still occurring within churches?
1: There's certainly a lot of digging your heels in still occurring right. in churches. Um. There, there's no doubt in that but we are living in a, a very post-Christian context right? so in that post-Christian context uh, there, there's there's such a need for right. reaching people that are far from God because there are just so many and there are right. more and more people identifying as, as other things one of the stats is that I know I, I'm not familiar with, with what you gave earlier you know it may, may be and that's a stunning stat I am familiar with this yeah. I heard John Martin Clifton give this. Every year in our denomination, in the Southern Baptist Convention, we have 1,000 churches close their doors or stop. stop. And the best analogy and picture, not analogy, but best illustration picture I've heard on this is imagine a a map of the United States of America in front of you, and imagine a thousand little dots of light all across that map. Mm -hmm. And each year, uh, a little light goes out. There's a thousand gospel lights that go out in communities all across the country. Yes. And that's the wow. reality that we're dealing with. Right. And the flip side of that is we're not planning enough churches to keep up with that. You know, I've heard, I've seen some people post about, hey, NAM is doing all the church planning and, and we're not seeing an increase in baptism. And there, there's been a little bit of a negativity on, well, we're doing all this in church planning, but are we really seeing uh, the results of that? Are we seeing right. positive results of that? And, and one of the pushbacks I want to give in that, well, we're not even keeping up with the decline of, we're breaking even barely. So we're, we're shutting down. Are closing the doors of a thousand churches a year, and we're barely keeping up with that nationally in church planting. So right. it's not that we're we're progressing, we're advancing, we're 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 going farther with the gospel in church planting. We're just keeping up with the death retention rate at this point in
2: place. Right. Yeah, and that, and that, that is true. And I found the stat; it's actually from the Daily Wire, um, uh, a piece by Michael Knowles where he talks about the rise twenty three point one percent of the uh, population. Is atheist out, just edging out Catholicism as the dominant faith, and I just, you know, that just startled wow. me Sunday when I saw that. Um, I, I was just about to go in church, and it was just startling to me, and I didn't know if you'd seen that stat, but, but, but I do think we we see that happening I mean we see the shift in the culture and I think that's one of the reasons why we need church planning and I you know I think that's important well let me ask you a couple more questions and then we'll we'll shift um, and we'll end for the day one of the things that, that I want to ask and this is one of the, the the things I've heard people say is often in small churches they face some of the same budget problems and constraints that small church plants do or that church plants do what are some practical things that small churches can do that don't cost a lot of money that can really help church planners and new churches? Because often you'll hear that argument, we just don't have the money. So, so what are some things they can do to help?
1: Let me say this first to just dispel a, a, right. a thought people have. We have a little over 200 churches partnered in the city of New Orleans. We have around 27 plants right now. The majority of our churches that are partnered are 500 or less. Right. Our best partner churches are small churches. Right. I think it, uh, yeah, in the city of New Orleans, we have a little over 200 partners, uh, what we call church partners for our church plants, 27 plants. And some of our best partners are smaller churches. Mm-hmm. I'm saying 500 or less, 200 right. or less. We have a lot of those in the city, and they do, uh, they're do they just great, great partners. So I not want right. to spell fault notion that small churches can't be a partner. There's many things small churches can do. Uh, we work with three Ps, you know, what are ways churches can participate in church planning or, or support church planning. One is right. prayer. There's some really good strategic ways you can pray for a church plant, and any church can do this. Uh, mm-hmm. One is uh, you can go to my blog, georgeross.net. I have a lot of resources for how churches can partner with church plants, and one of those resources mm-hmm. on there is a strategic prayer partnership. Uh, right. Any church can say, hey, we want to adopt a church planter here in your city. You're going to get their name. You're going to get the name of their kids. You know, it's just more than putting them in a bulletin. Hey, we're praying for a planter in New Orleans. Uh, strategic right. initiative for prayers getting to know them, finding out their needs, incorporating them into the life of your local church. You know, just like we're uh, having a conversation right now with uh, right. technology, there's so many ways that you can get a church planner in front of your church with, without even going and let your people <laughs> see who they are. And I think that is very intentional. I think that can be very strategic, and I think that can mm-hmm. put a passion in the life of people to do that. So prayer is a, is a starting point. I've never met a church planner that somebody reached out to and said, Hey, our church wants to adopt you and pray for you. But they said, Hey, I'm too busy. No, uh, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Church is praying for them. Right. Uh, you know, we had a, a discussion in coaching this week, the significance of spiritual warfare in the city of New mm. Orleans. I know mm. everybody has spiritual warfare. I, I understand that. That. There is a level of, of warfare here in the city mm. when you're doing ministry that, that I have a hard time explaining sometimes. We had one of our church plants just this past week. They're doing another church plant in one of the hardest areas of our city. And on Tuesday, uh, they had a lady dropping off her kids. They have a little program uh, to a uh, school there at their church, and somebody came off the street stabbed and stabbed them
2: twice. Oh, my gosh.
1: as I talked to the church planter there, we were, we were talking about, just what we sense and realize, there's some real spiritual warfare going on, some real mm. things that are it was all over the news. It was, he had to spend the entire week dealing with this, and and prayer makes a difference. We right. uh, had a church planter get diagnosed with cancer down here, mm. and one of the neat things that happened is he got put on a prayer calendar with the North American Mission Board. Thousands of Southern Baptists were praying for him uh, through the course of a, of a year, and he went through almost four months of serious cancer. Chemotherapy, lost all his hair, lost all his weight, uh, didn't didn't do any ministry. We, we had to really rally around him, and he was pronounced uh, cancer free last amen December. One of the testimonies mm-hmm. for that, and we firmly believe this. People all across the country were praying for Justin. They were praying for his family, and uh, lifting him up in prayer. So. Prayer you know, it's just not that how hey, you can pray. Man, we want to take right. prayer seriously. We we believe as children of God and being in Christ that God hears our prayers. We have a all powerful, all knowing God and we want to pray to him. So challenging churches to do that. The second way is to participate. You know, can you come and do a short term mission trip in New Orleans? The good thing about New Orleans is also the bad thing about New Orleans. Right. Everybody wants to come do a short term mission trip. <laughs> So sometimes we're having to navigate that a little bit, and we have a couple right. of partners here in the city. We, we partner with Mission Lab, which is at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, and mm-hmm. we partner with Restoration Journeys, which is a canal uh, street church uh, in New Orleans. Both of those have a, a little bit of a packaged mission program that's very good, where you'll get access to church planting, you'll get access to compassion ministries. Uh, it's a very powerful experience, because your church may not be ready to partner on a level of church planting yet, yeah. <laughs> but they want to experience missions, and they want to see some church planting. Both of those groups do that well, and we encourage churches if that's what they're looking for, you know, just to get their foot in the water, uh, hey, participate in that. And there may be some church plants that need some specific ministries. Maybe it's a sports camp. Maybe it's a VBS. But we have a team coming to help uh, do canvassing before Easter. So there's some ways that you can partner in participation, a lot of those. And every sin city has that. So, you know, maybe it's not New Orleans. Maybe you want to partner in Detroit. Uh, Maybe you want to partner in Boston or New York. There's so many different cities, the 32 cities that we have – that have these same level of partnerships. The last level of partnership is is provision. You know, how can you partner in a way that you support that church plant? We're, we're incredibly grateful for the cooperative program, um, Mississippi, Louisiana, our Southern state conventions do so well at the CP. We're grateful for the cooperative program. We're grateful for Annie Armstrong. But one of the dilemmas you find when you're planting in urban areas, my cost of living in New Orleans increased by three from where I was in Senatobia, Mississippi. Mm, I've never yeah. paid for flood insurance. I've never paid for hurricane insurance. Uh, we live in the highest uninsured motorist estate and city in North America. My car insurance right. just went cuckoo. So you have all these things that cost more living in urban city, housing costs more, uh, the food costs more, gas, everything's more expensive. So even though we're so incredibly grateful for Lottie, we're so incredibly, gr- excuse me, Annie, and uh, so incredibly grateful for the cooperative program. That doesn't put a dent in what these guys are, are, are doing, our are need in the city. So churches are going to come along and partner that way, man, that's just a blessing. And right. we do not give any financial number, you know, what can you do? I've seen churches partner provisionally, and they've bought a, a church planner's uh, kids the the school supplies they needed for a year, books, clothes, right. all that kind of stuff. Man, just, just some different ways that I've seen partnering that sometimes is Even better than just writing a check. Uh, right. you know, I've seen churches partner because they've got a retreat house. You know, they got somebody in their church mm-hmm. that owns a house on a beach or mm-hmm. a house on a lake, something like that. And man, they open that up to a church planter. Uh, I saw one church, a very country church, man, in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. They did one of the neatest things in the world. They partnered with a church plant in the Ninth Ward here in New Orleans, which looked radically different than their context. And the ladies of that church came in and threw a shower for the young church planter wife that was having a baby. And I'll tell you what you don't have a church plant. in church mm-hmm. plants. In church plants, most of the time you're reaching people that they just do not have a concept of what are these traditional things that you do. They're not going to do right. a shower. They don't right. have any clue what Pastor Appreciation Month is. They right. have no idea, you know, what it means to offer a date night. So we've right. had churches that have partnered, uh, sending people down to do a date night, sending people right. down uh, to do a shower for a, a young mom, you know what this church planner told me—they brought so many diapers that she had enough diapers to last her a year. I can't imagine right. how much money that was. But that right. that shower by those little old ladies—it was an older group of ladies too—at a at a country Southern Baptist church. Praise the Lord for them—they threw a baby shower for this girl that she'll remember the rest of her life for her first right,
2: child. right.
1: so, well, so jo- many different ways that you can support a church plan.
2: That's awesome, George and.